059, the official podcast of the Fierce Telecom and Technology Group. Join us each week for the latest insights on 5G, millimeter wave, AI, electronics, sensors, networking, infrastructure, and more in the communications and technology space. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another week and another episode of the 5.9 podcast. As always, your host, Alejandro Pinero. And well, we've heard you. There's a lot of interest on satellite connectivity, and we have a great guest this week to talk to us about what's happening and what to look forward to when it comes to satellite connectivity. And specifically, we're going to be talking about a very, a very different business model, I think. Uh, we're, we're going to be hearing from Link. They are a company focused on satellite direct-to-standard phone connectivity, and they work directly with MNO. So a lot to talk about. And to discuss this and tell us a little bit more is Charles Miller, co-founder and CEO of Link. Charles, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you here today. Alejandro, great to be here. Looking forward to the conversation. Great. So I've obviously done my uh, very, very quick intro on some research and reading up about you guys in preparation for the interview. But I think it'd be great for our listeners before we get into the weeds here to hear a little bit more about Link and uh, and what you guys do. Well, um, Link is the inventor and the world leader in satellite direct to standard mobile phone. And what we've done, we figured out you could do this, that it, you know, basically nobody believed you could do it. In fact, our team didn't believe you could do this. Um, satellite connect directly to an unmodified standard phone. That's crazy. And we took a while to convince ourselves. We started doing that in 2015. It took us three years to invent all the key pieces. There's three major pieces we had to invent. And by 2017, we'd figured it all out. And then it's been basically about step-by-step step building up this huge new category, this huge new service that uh, will affect the lives of billions um, using space and satellite technology. So, you know, you say you, you took a couple of years there to figure out how it works, how to make it happen. Can you give us a little bit of that detail of how you made it uh, come through? Great. Well, I just to make it clear, when I say make it work, I mean zero change to your phone, that it works with your existing phone. There's a bunch of companies now jumping in and it's like, but uh, they're actually need to uh, um, change the phone. And so that's all going on right now. Um, you know, a bunch of people say, oh, put, add my radio chip or add my software or get the handset manufacturer changed. But our whole thing is no change to the phone. So first of all, the mo most people didn't realize that the physics worked. Well, uh, we did the physics back in 2015 is you can close the connection two ways that the modern um, signal processing gain in, in phones, which are designed to like go inside a building, inside an elevator, uh, were much better than people realized and would help you connect a satellite from space all the way down to the ground and from a phone up to a satellite. And, and uh, so, you know, just, but nobody had done the work, right? And so we did that in 2015. The second thing is, how do you connect to existing phones? You need to use existing spectrum already in the phone. So we made a decision uh, very early on to use existing spectrum already in the phone to partner with MNOs. So UHF spectrum in like the 700 to 960 bands are in every phone in the world. So we decided that was the right way to go and figure out how to do this without harmful interference. And the third part is how do you 
you know, connect to the phone without any change of the software in the phone. And we figured that out in March of 2017, where we now patented, it's now patented. So Link, because we're years ahead of everybody else, has the world's only patented, proven satellite direct to phone and commercially licensed. And we have three operational satellites in orbit today. And we just signed our 29th commercial contract, not an MOU, nodding a testing agreement, which you're hearing about from others who brag about. We have dozens and dozens of MOUs and testing agreements, but we only talk about our contracts, our you know, master service agreements with the, all the financials worked out and going to market. And, and you mentioned that, of course, this is, uh, you know, first in class, right? You guys figured it out. You did the physics. You, you've uh, figured out how to get directly to the satellite and uh, to the phone. Now, you mentioned this to be almost a new category. So what are you guys calling it? It's absolutely a new category. And, and there's a bunch of people jumping in with their categories. I think the only one that really makes sense is satellite direct to phone or sat to phone. You know, for the average consumer, they don't know what sat to sell means or direct device. What, what do you mean? Which device? Right. It's like people are bringing up these phrases or names for the category that only confuse the one that is clear and concise is sat to phone. Right. That's everybody has a phone in their pocket. They they it's very personal. This is the most powerful device, important device in many people's lives. They understand. You mean a satellite is going to connect to the phone in my pocket? Sat to sell is a stupid name. Direct to device. That's a that's a tech technical engineer's you know description. Let's you know we should be clear. It's in everybody's interest to communicate what the customer understands. The five billion people with phones in their pocket. Just to be clear, then it, it really doesn't matter from your perspective if for example you know apple comes out with satellite connectivity you guys you you're talking about any phone you can connect right, right. to it right well we're the only ones that have connected satellites to iphone 11s 12s and 13s <laughs> right so it's yeah. i'm glad that apple is is bringing out a service they've educated the market and made people want more like it they're 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 going to save lives i think it's wonderful that this this satellites are going to be saving lives and in the future nobody should die because they have a phone in their pocket that does that's not connected that should go away um apple's part of it others are coming on to be part of that but it's so much more at stake here so much more opportunity absolutely so let me ask you a little bit about what you see going on in in the wider satellite connectivity industry now there's been a lot of pickup and a lot of interest of course um you know uh, the from the uh, multi-billionaires out there that are are interested in this i don't know if it's a pet project or is a a big uh big play as you say to help others um who you know, when you look down down the line, who will the, the winners be in satellite connectivity? Do you see that there's going to be, you know, important M&A activity? Do you think that there's going to be a big market for this or is it quite limited in, in scope? Well, I think there's going to be a huge market. So let me let me be clear that um, that there is three categories of satellite services that deliver a service that billions of people want. One is weather. Everybody wants the weather. One is GPS. Everybody, every smartphone in the world has GPS position, location, and timing on it. 
And the third is communications. The first two, nobody pays for those. You get free weather information. You get free GPS. Nobody pays for that. This is the one category, satellite direct to standard phone, that billions of people will pay for. This is the largest category that it will grow very quickly to be the largest category in all of satellite. It'll be the, it is solving the most important problem in mobile wireless, which is a trillion dollar a year industry. The most important problem is not getting a little bit faster speeds in a stadium where most people with 5G are saying it's pretty good already, um, except in, when I'm in a stadium, right? The most important problem is 90% of the planet does not have connectivity. And they're black spots over 90% of the surface of the earth. There's about 750 million people at any point in time have a phone in their pocket and it's not connected. That, that's only 15% of the 5 billion, but that is a huge problem. If you're, you're finding a problem where at any point in time, 750 million people want to buy you your service right now. That is, is a great, that's a great market to grow into. And it's a new category. And I guess then what, um, what will be the, the differentiator when it comes to these connectivity satellite players? Where do you see the most uh, interest or, or perhaps what will set apart some of those uh, key players as we move down in the adoption curve? At the end of the day, this is a huge opportunity. The thing that's going to matter is speed. Speed to take advantage of this opportunity. It's really the, the companies that have the ability to scale and manufacture speed. So everybody's starting out who's serious with messaging or a form of messaging. But the real large opportunity for broadband everywhere, direct to phone, and I say broadband, it's not 100 megabits a second. I'm talking 5 or 10 megabits a second where you can do all the core functions on your phone and web browsing and email and all your favorite apps. That is the key. How do you get to that and how do you get to that fast? And those who put together the answer that that can go fast are going to be, you know, the uh, category king. So my looking at this is there's not going to be one winner and there's probably not going to be four. There might be four or five competitors, but there's not going to be four winners. If you look at the mobile wireless industry across segment after segment, there's two or three winners. So in smartphones, it's Apple and Android. Apple could have had a monopoly, but the mobile network operators around the world made absolutely sure Apple did not get a monopoly. Now, Apple's the most valuable company in the world, um, tech company in the world, uh, based on the iPhone, but they still don't have a monopoly. So having that place is still extremely valuable. And Android companies, Samsung and all the players and Google who have that are extremely valuable. And, you know, in the tower companies, think of Crown Castle, American Tower. There's two or three tower companies in every country. MNOs don't allow one, and they, they don't need four or five or six, right? Um, you know, with uh, base stations, the, the key technology that's in the cell tower and the cell tower network, it's two or three, it's three companies. It's, it's Ericsson, Nokia, and Huawei, right? There's not one, there's not four. So if you go across all the critical technology in mobile wireless, so we're convinced there will be two to three winners in satellite direct to device. There will not be a monopoly. There's not going to be really room for profitable for four, four, five, or six companies. And so the ones that get there to get to continuous, real-time data and voice to your phone everywhere, 
will be the victors. And that's all about speed. And of course, you talk about, you know, the MNO's approach to the to the supply chain, whether it's the the towers, the devices all, and so forth. So if we think about it similarly with satellite connectivity, can you talk a little bit about your experience with MNOs? Now, I assume there's been some education that has had to occur there in terms of how the technology works and the benefits. But as you mentioned there at the top, you, you've got quite a few commercial agreements in place. So what has been the, the reception? What's been the feedback? And, and um, you know, I think you have a different focus, right, in working directly with the MNOs. Can you talk a little bit about that as well? Well, we've been working and talking to MNOs for years. We now have 29 contracts signed up. Uh, they they want this. They want they want us to you know you know why can't we have broadband everywhere today, right? They they they're like you satellite people are slow. It's like uh, you know we want it today. This is great. So they they clearly all instantly get it that if they can provide you know, everywhere, everyone coverage to all their subscribers that uh, they, they just want it, right? So it'll take a few years, even for the fast companies like Link, who are new, the new space companies that uh, can go faster, you know, that's, that's still, they would want it faster. So every, every MNO we've talked to would, if we had, you know, basically a version of broadband light direct to phone everywhere, they would all sign today. So uh, some of them are, you know, the 29 contracts we've signed today are uh, MNOs who are ready to start out with uh, periodic messaging, and they'll go take the trip with us because there is some extreme value, you know, where you have nothing, having something is infinitely better. And so that is the service we're providing today. And then step by step over the next several years, we will build out the network to get to, you know, a continuous broadband data services, five to 10 megabits a second to every phone. So they like that. They're, they're ready for that. Yeah. And of course, there's a lot of um, interest, of course, in, in connecting people, as you say, it's uh, life uh, changing, but also sometimes life saving, right? So it's in the interest of the MNOs and the wider telecom community to, to provide that connectivity throughout. Think if you're a subscriber in a rural remote community and you, you're you have no connectivity, and someone says, "Oh well, you know, you'll get you can do mess texting messaging, and you can do uh, send send a message every you know 15 minutes." Well, you say that that's hugely different. I can. It's not just uh, save your life. You might buy, may absolutely get the service because it's going to save your life. That's I, we think most people will. Our research shows 80% of all subscribers, even people who live in cities and suburbs, want this. It's in your practical day-to-day, you'll be able to communicate. It's going to be a huge time saver, productivity enhancer, and it's going to give everybody peace of mind. And you'll use it actually more than you actually realize. So the other thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, around regulation and, and how this has uh, progressed as this technology has come into play. Now, I know that you are uh, are uh, um, licensed for commercial service by the FCC. You have uh, these agreements across uh, many different countries, but specifically in the U.S. with the FCC, you know, there's a lot going on in terms of, uh, you know, uh, with specifically for the satellite connectivity space. Can you talk a little bit about where we are uh, there and, and how that's progressing? We've been talking to the Federal Communication Commission for years. 
And we, you know, laid out to them years ago that we're going to do a, what we call crawl, walk, run strategy. We were going to step-by-step prove we could do this without causing harmful interference and building trust. This is a critical thing they don't want to get wrong. They also want to go fast, right? So they have a tough problem. They have they want to make sure they don't mess up existing mobile network operator systems. So we, rather than hand waving, we said, we're going to prove it to you. We're going to prove we can uh, provide the service without causing harmful interference. We've done that since 2019. We started testing in 2019 and connecting devices and being monitored and proving we could connect devices without causing harmful interference. And so that's built trust. And then, you know, the, the, this is critical. This is a critical technology for the United States to lead in. The FCC's concluded this. The U.S. Congress had a hearing. They've concluded this. And so how do you go fast without causing problems? And the FCC had in their notice of proposed rulemaking they came out with in February had a brilliant approach, which Link totally supports, that there's a lot of complex issues for, you know, that uh, for some of the spectrum but there is some low-hanging fruit that you can do now while you're working out the, the, the more difficult issues. And the low-hanging fruit is the insight that mobile network operators have bought Spectrum at auction. They have dedicated Spectrum where they're not sharing it. They, they have a good amount of that is across a large geography that uh, so they're not, you know, uh, it's not a patchwork quilt. Right. It's like they have contiguous spectrum across a large geography. And if those MNOs who have auctioned that spectrum want to sublicense that spectrum to a company like Link, they should be allowed to do it. They're they're like kind of have a de facto property right. And they're the best decision maker about what to use that. And if they want to do that, they should be allowed to do it. And that's a straight path. It, limit, it avoids all the problems of like, well, what do you do when two or three or five companies share the same spectrum? Who gets to do satellite direct to device and how do you make sure they don't interfere with each other? We, we don't have the answer to that, but you do have the answer. Well, you know, with a company in the United States, an MNO has a spectrum. If they want to sub-license it and they don't share it, it's dedicated, they should be allowed to do so. FCC decided that's the right path. They announced a rulemaking to do that. They've completed draft comments. They're going to uh, had initial input on draft comments, and they're probably going to pu- publish the NPRM here very soon. And and uh, actually, we heard just I think we heard yesterday or the day before they published it, and they're going to be soliciting uh, formal comments on the NPRM. So, but we think that is the right way to go. Now, most people like to criticize the government, but what they don't hear is praise. When, when they do something right, where they find a pathway to go fast, to not go slow. So I, we think the entire industry should be praising the FCC right now. Yeah, you certainly, especially when it comes to regulation, you don't hear that very often. So it's refreshing to, to see that things are moving at a good pace, uh, keeping up with innovation. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, you guys are active internationally. Do you see similar um, you know, positive approaches uh, to uh, satellite connectivity in other geographies. Obviously, the FCC has been uh, showing certain leadership in this, but, you know, do you feel optimistic when you look at other 
territories as well. I feel totally optimistic. So the regulators and their elected leaders in many cases are, they, they want this now. They, 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 they see as part of their role is, is, is having universal connectivity in their countries. And they've been begging, pleading, threatening, cajoling MNOs for decades to get this to happen. And the problem is it's just, you know, uneconomical. You could lose, you spend all your money and still not have universal connectivity with the existing technology. This technology solves this. It makes it affordable to have universal connectivity. And they, that uh, regulators are saying, we want this today. And in many cases, they are pushing MNOs to go do this. And so our experience we now have 26 testing licenses around the world. We're testing today in 23 countries. Um, our experience is, in many cases, the uh, the you know regulator after regulator is very they they will quickly provide a license. And now that the SCC has done their detailed research, they're kind of the gold standard of wireless regulation in the world. And MNOs are saying we want this. The FCC has said, "Here's the path forward. We've already we've already proven that it doesn't cause harmful interference. What we just see a straight path forward to rolling this out in many countries, not every country. Quickly, there's some countries where there's, you know, small landlocked countries where it's more difficult to put down a beam, or for for reasons in that country that has uh, problems with spectrum that it may take longer. But there's 200 countries in the world, and we'll start." With the low-hanging fruit, the ones that are easier first. Absolutely. Well, Charles, we're we're coming to the top of the interview here, but I, I just wanted to close by maybe getting some forward-thinking thoughts from you. We, of course, just as an industry and maybe as a species, celebrated the 50 years right of the first cell phone call in in New York. Where do you think we're headed now? There's, there's, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure if we would have expected 50 years ago to be talking about, you know, satellite direct to phone and so many different connectivity options. I don't, I don't think we should look 50 years ahead. I think that's a, a guessing game. But you know, when you look down the road as you see things progressing and more options out there to cover those dark spots in the network, where do you think we're headed, and, and where do you, where do you think we'll end up? Marty Cooper, who, who you're referencing, who did the first phone call and uh, invented this uh, key parts of this technology, um, you know, he was a visionary. He, he rightly needs to be recognized. Uh, some of the things he, he's discussed are just fascinating. So he predicted 50 years ago about that every person on the planet would, would uh, have a phone number assigned to them at birth. Now, I think that may be still 50 years out, right, that you're assigned a phone number at birth. Most, most, most kids today get it in, in middle school if, or about, right? So we're getting there. Well, everybody has a phone. But I think eventually your ID will be your phone number. It'll be your global, it'll be your global identifier, your, your phone number is assigned to you. Everybody eventually will have a phone number, maybe, maybe not assigned at birth, um, but get get closer and closer. It's just so powerful, so life changing to be connected, and and uh, and now it's inevitable that we will have universal connectivity in the not too distant future. You know, in the five to ten year time frame, there will be universal connectivity in the planet, except for the last holdouts that, for political reasons, you know, that uh, you don't have, you're not allowed to provide connectivity. It'll be a while for North Korea 
to get every citizen connected for for political reasons, right? But uh, the vast majority of the people on the planet will be, have connectivity. It's going to be life changing. So the the what the research shows is that mobile connectivity is access to the 21st century, right? It is you know, about economic growth. It is about access to all the world's information. So there's a couple billion people in rural remote communities that still don't have affordable, easy access to the world's information. What we are doing, what we, the, the mobile wireless and satellite industries are doing, instead of requiring all those, those people in rural remote communities to move to the city, to go to the 21st century and jobs, we are bringing the 21st century to them, where they live and where they want to be. That is a huge life changer. And this technology is going to help be part of pulling the next billion people out of poverty. That's great. And, and something I love about working in this industry is the impact that we have, as you say, on connecting everyone, which is becoming yeah, a necessary part of life. And as we move to, you know, even to that being our global identifier, it's going to become even more important. Charles, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure and, and great to learn more about what you're up to there at Link. And, and I wish you guys a lot of success because it's in everyone's interest to get everyone connected. Thank you, Alejandro. I enjoyed the conversation. Great. And to you, listener, as always, thanks for joining us for yet another week here at the 5.9 podcast. We'll be back in your feed next week. Until then, thanks for tuning in and take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the 5.9, Fierce Telecom's official telecom and technology podcast. Get the latest telecom and technology news at our websites. FierceWireless.com, FierceElectronics.com, FierceTelecom.com, and FierceVideo.com. See you soon.